Ahoy, mateys. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you are listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And yes, genius, you can call me Billy. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast horror podcast that feels for any and all sufferers of hyperacusis my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're breaking out both heineken and paps blue ribbon (laughs) as our sojourn through the suburbs takes us across the tracks to the bad part of town (laughs) as we take in david lynch's blue velvet and whether you've performed the chicken walk or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your, don't you fucking look at me, hole. <laughs> and if you are huffing around social media, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and other side of the track shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, July 22nd, if you live in the Kansas City area, all you need to go is to screenland.com where you will find your huffing shenanigans taken care of indoors, virtually, and outdoors. And quite honestly, by the time this episode releases... Oh, it's fucking good to be back, though. It's very oh nice my god! To have it's you good back. to be back. Actually, it's so good to be back. Regardless, in person, out person, it's even on the show. It's good to have you back, my good friend. <laughs> but by the time this releases, releases, we're going to be introducing yes the yes. latest Friday Night Fright as this one is going up a little bit later. And I'm fucking stoked. I love this movie. Well, and it's one that is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. It was an honorable mention mm-hmm. on this year's. I fought for it, though. I fought for it. We both did. We <laughs> yeah, both did. We, we did. just couldn't yeah, find something good to pair it. You're exactly. But regardless, we hope to see you all out for Eight Legged Freaks, one of the best '50s creature feature homages out there. I think Joe Dante would really dig it. Absolutely, Dante approved. Very much so. Very much so. Now that that being said, the following Friday Night Frights, another one celebrating its 40th anniversary, another one. That was an honorable mention on this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. And another one, I'm pretty sure both of us are seeing for the first time. Uh huh. Well, in a roundabout way. Okay, it's been a while then. For I you. saw it in the theater, but I was like four. And so I remember being bored out of my gourd. I, we need to talk to your mom about that one. I'm sure right. she saw cat people and just assumed. <laughs> Yay, kitties! Not quite, I'm sure, what was oh. taken in at that point, but we will be taking in Paul Schrader's. Not Paul Shears. Rats. Cat people. <laughs> I'm so late for Paul Shears cat people. It would be 10 minutes and it would be on Adult Swim. And it'd be weird. It'd be like uh, the cat's butthole cut. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a picture of it, my friend. You'd have a picture of it. Now, the other repertory screenings that are happening the weekend of the 22nd, a uh, movie that is celebrating its 25th anniversary, actually, and another one that I know both of us saw in the theater back in 1997, but come on out for... I know what you did last summer. What are you waiting for? It's got that scene. Uh-huh. And other scenes, most definitely. Uh-huh. But yeah, most people remember it for 
Come for the J love. Stay for the J love. Yeah, it's. I will say this: if you show up, I do have an early uh, Noxima Nox- commercial. Noxima commercial, absolutely. What's up with the Noxima commercial? Girls going into horror. Rebecca Gayhart, um, Gabriel Union. I, or, uh, it's something Jennifer in, in the contract, I think. From from a fresh face to a fresh kill. Yeah, there you. Oh, bravo, good sir. Transitions nicely. Now that being said, another film from the year of 1982, and one we've lamented quite a bit here on the show in fact genius what is best in life Ooh, crush your enemies see them driven before you and hear the lamentation of the women and that is good that is good so I'm come on out for will never understand me the best little bit right before that entire performance but come on out for conan the barbarian one of the manliest films of all time and one of C- our favorites come for the barbarian stay for the tulsa doom orgy Tulsa Doom knows how to fucking party. He really does. And I, I, I realize it's the bangs, and he was getting ready to do the snake thing in mm-hmm. the orgy. Like, everyone yeah, was, was ready. They were warmed up. What's it called? Mating coil? Is that what it, the mating ball I thought or it was something snake like shunting. There we go. There we, that, the, the, sh- the shedding of the snake shunting. <laughs> Reptilian society. Now, of course, all of those are happening indoors. Now, outdoors on Saturday the 23rd, a film that would pair really nicely with uh, Jordan Peele's Nope which is also playing indoors, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Signs. That movie freaked me out when I was little. That one scene oh, when the, the, the alien just comes up, uh, and they're watching the TV, and he just... The, all, the big, all Bigfoot tape-ish? Yep. Fucking freaked me out. Oh, it's because a lot of us were raised on that image of Bigfoot, and that's what we think of when we think of scary Some, things Something like mysterious, that. Yes. yeah. Now, it was definitely that at that point in the theater when I saw it, my knees were so buckled together. And honestly, everyone in the theater was terrified. Gasped at that. Yeah, no. It was a very nice collective experience. Now, of course, if you don't live in the Kansas City area and you're hearing all this and you're like, yeah, it sounds kind of cool. I wish I could help out. Well, a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, you can go to ScreenLandOnline.com where they have a number of films that you can rent from, the dir- from them directly or even better. You can become a member of their film family by heading over to Patreon.com slash ScreenLand where amongst their many perks and their many tiers... Genius and I put together a little uh, uh, movie watch party mm-hmm. that we've been doing now for two years, about two years. Because we started about the pandemic. Once the pandemic yeah. kicked in, little thing we call the Shutter Shoutout, where we stream and watch two films off of Shutter. But by joining the film family, you're going to get access to kind of the the what do you call it? But the home game, the Nightmare Junkhead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where we put together a customized pre-show. Introduction, where we uh, Genius and I introduce, introduce the films, give you a little context, uh, vintage trailer reel for each film, and of course, post-film discussion, and we finally figured out our next one yes. on July 30th, the double feature from 1985, we have Lamberto Bava's Demons. Where's Rosemary? Which I can't wait to talk again. Me too. And a film that had its premiere, a uh, U.S. premiere here at this year's Panic Film Festival, mm-hmm. 2022's. Revealer. I had such a good time with that one too. Had a blast with that. And if everything goes well, yes. TBA, but if everything goes according to plan, this one's going to be rad. We might have something a little bit extra for you. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, those films are streaming on Shutter, but by ju- going to Patreon.com/screenland, you all have access to all that and then some. But genius, we're talking Patreon and we're talking film family. Deep. Bellies. We also have our own little film family over at Patreon. And quite honestly, from our entry-level tier 
squiddly diddly on up, you will have access to all of our Shutter shout-out contents mm-hmm. on top of a number of other things. And in fact, if you go beyond squiddly diddly, uh, next week you're going to have access to our thoughts on Jordan Peele's Nope. Mm-hmm. And let me just say this at this point. I've already seen it twice. And I've yet to see it, so I'm excited. And there's I'm and I like Jordan Peele. I, I like him a lot. I know we're we're two for two at this point. Uh huh. It's surprisingly imagine this. It's divisive. Oh, go figure. I wonder <laughs> if it's you know who you know. I can't understand all the divisiveness for Jordan Peele, and I don't know why everybody's getting so divisive about this this young uh, ingenue called uh, Rob Zombie. What's going on with that? You know, never heard of that guy before. It's people are going to hate regardless. Right. Regardless. Now that being said, you are also going to have access to a little commentary we're putting together and staying in the suburbs we're going to be talking joe dante's the burbs because satan is good satan Satan is is our pal pal. yeah i'm not going to say we're going to have a satanic pate to eat this time but but we ain't we having no sardines that's for fucking sure hell no (laughs) learned our lesson many moons ago that's for fucking truth no more sardines for genius and greg now, uh, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in listening to, uh, you can become a member of our film family by heading over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. And so far, through the suburbs, genius, we've had and seen some interesting things. Mm-hmm. We've had a chance to kind of talk some cult classics. Mm-hmm. We've had a chance to talk some underseen cult classics. John- Jonathan Winters. <laughs> Jonathan Winters, most definitely. We've seen the swinging side of the suburbs, mm-hmm. but when we bring in this particular filmmaker, someone whose films we actually haven't devoted any episodes to, no, but guaranteed, all you have to throw out is a little David Lynch, and you're going to hear one of us start doing the, hey, I need more something weird over here. I have a giant phone. Can anybody find me a three-foot ear of corn? And it's not necessarily that much of hyperbole in terms of the voice. That is how David Lynch sounds. Mm-hmm. He is energetic. He's almost a cartoon figure with his hair, his aesthetic. Just just looking at him, he looks like... Someone's going to put some weird shit together. Exactly. He would make the kind of films he makes. Yes. It works like him and Todd Solondz. <laughs> if you, right? look, you look at Todd Solondz, you like, go, yeah, he makes yeah. those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. But if I were to ask you to try to describe or define like a David Lynch aesthetic, how would you go about that? Surreally realistic. Surreally realistic. One more time. Surreally realistic. Okay. Because it's set in a, a real world, but everything is just so weirdly heightened and everything is so surreal where these things can happen. It's not phantasmagorical or anything like that. It's just fucking odd. It, I love how he just likes to like expose seediness of it and just want to like show you the ugliness and beauty and the beauty and ugliness. And that's why I love the fact that we've been able to talk him and John Waters because I definitely think they approach suburbia with the same kind of... Disdain. Yes. Disdain. And their own way of exposing the seedy underbelly that's not often exposed. Yeah, basically saying, okay, you think the suburbs is perfect. Let's peel back this blue velvet curtain and show you what's going on on the underside. Like in the opening scene when everything is beautiful, oh. blue velvet, and it's and then it just pans down to all the worms and the 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 bugs and all the terrible shit underneath. It's 
that's one of my favorite things that hold just below the surface aesthetic here. But I mean, honestly, when I was kind of putting that together, I kind of put together a three word answer in terms of the David Lynch aesthetic. Not for everyone. That's for sure. Because even for genre fans, I know there are certain horror fans that do not like his movies. Because I'll be honest, I never got into Twin Peaks. And then one time I hosted Fire Walk with me and I was just lost and I was like, Eh, this ain't I can imagine. So I just kind of bounced, mm-hmm. right? And I normally don't bounce from a movie, but I was like, eh. was this at the draft house back in the day? Yes, it was. Okay. And so, like, so yeah, I'm not gonna say like David Lynch is the best movie maker of all time, and his shit is brilliant and don't stink, right? Because no, but at the same time, there's a lot of his shit that I like. Yeah, and that's just say we're not apologists by right. any means. Right. We're very much exploring because I've. Because I'll go to bat for Paul W.S. Anderson. I'll be an apologist for Neil Marshall. Well, to a certain point. Certainly. And then, but like, yeah, I'm not going to apologize. I'm mean, like, yeah, if you don't like David Lynch, I understand. So I made the mistake once of early on in a relationship of watching Eraserhead. Which how is that? Is that one? Is that have you seen that one? I've only seen bits and parts bit, okay. of it where I'm and I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this it's, movie because I think it's gonna be just because I like weird, yeah, but I like weird not for weird's sake. There has to be like some sort of connective tissue in the weirdness, and sometimes when it gets too surreal, well, and the connective tissue that he has, it's there, but it's again through a David Lynch aesthetic and almost like his whole philosophy mm-hmm. of and being weird. Being wild, being artsy, being cool—like there is a veneer of coolness to his movies. Very where cool. It's it's difficult to approach, and even when like rewatching this movie, I kind of had to prepare myself. His movies are not ones that I can just throw on. I almost have to do some calisthenics, you know, just almost a pre-workout routine. Almost not, not nec- yeah, not necessarily psych yourself up, but like okay, I'm you're a- gonna see some. Weird, Weird, disturbing shit. So be ready. And then it's because it starts off so idealistic. And what (laughs) you think of of suburbia with the picket fences and the and it's so weird because you can't get a good time bead on the time and place in this location. It's like the it's like the the serial mom where she's wearing the fifties hat and they're driving the sixties car, like the in the fifties thing, but it's all set in the eighties. This one, everybody's singing songs from the 60s. Oh, yeah. And all the cars, some cars look like from 60s. Oh, yeah. Some cars oh, yeah. are right now. People are dressed like the 50s, and the diner's like the 50s, the fire engine, but it's set in modern day. So. And I think that's his whole thing is just these small pockets that exist mm-hmm. where they can exist within modern technology. This where and that, world has stopped. They, yes, yeah. they're just cut off, and that's those charming places that certain people those, call back yeah, to. Yeah, those weird uh, neon dive bars. Yes. Yeah. And I've always been unsettled by those, I'm not going to lie. But then going through, I had a chance to watch uh, Lost Highway for the first time at Screenland, mm-hmm. which, amongst the other things, I was surprised to see Gary Busey hey! in the flick showing up, which a nice I surprise. like his style. Just film him, do whatever. Yeah. No, I can see that. I'd love I to see more collaborations between those two. Yeah, what I would think... What, didn't David Lynch make a non-weird Disney movie about a guy who just drove his lawnmower across country? It's this like really weird family, family-friendly Disney movie about like a heartwarming story about a guy who 
drives a lawnmower. And I would love to think that that would be somebody's gateway into David Lynch. And then, like, let's see what else is, or let's see what else they have in this catalog. I can only, and well, that's just it in terms I of. I like blue. I like that song, Blue Velvet. Who doesn't? Right. Bobby Vincent, let's go into that. Let's oh do my it. God. Next thing you know, you hear him coming out of Nana's room from the TV. Don't you fucking look at me. Right. Well, even if they were to look at like the cast of the film, there's some familiar faces. You're like, oh, hey, Laura I like Dern. Them. Yes, we right. love all those cats. Mm-hmm. Well, I realized when revisiting this film, number one, this is only the second time that I've watched it from front to back. And my entryway into this movie was really weird because it wasn't very conventional. In fact, I realized I had three points of entry into this movie, or at least you know, um, exposing me to the themes that presented in here. Uh, first one I think I was very familiar with was the band Anthrax. Mm-hmm. They have a song called Now It's Dark, and it's... Uh. All about Frank Booth. The lyrics are all about Frank Booth. It's uh, the, the the chorus is now it's dark. I can't see. Don't you fucking look at me because <laughs> I'm one fucking well dressed. Like it's all built around the song. So when I'm reading the lyrics, I'm reading the credits and like thanks to Frank and Blue Velvet. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. That's kind of cool. Flash forward a few years later. I'm listening to Mr. Bungle's first album, and I think I've maybe had you listen to a few tracks from that. It's Weird. I kind of dug it though. It's not. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's great. But, but I, it's, it, like David Lynch, it's not for everybody. If you don't dig it, I understand. <laughs> but it immediately spoke to me. Just the music. But then there were also all of these samples from stuff that I had no idea what it was. And there were two standouts for me. Where at one point, all I heard was this guy going, um, "Beer's gonna get warm." One thing I can't fucking stand is warm beer. Makes me fucking puke. We used to quote that all the time out of context, not knowing where it came from. Uh, There was the, uh, do you want me to pour it? No, I want you to fuck it. And that whole thing was in the song, sampled. I was not ready for, um, I'll fuck anything that moves. I was waiting for, yeah. That was the third entry point. Not realizing, I, I, I was waiting for James. I was waiting for Jay to come up here. Or Frank Booth, noise, 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 smoking. Who got the blunts? We got the blunts, right? And just so <laughs> when you watch that, the first thing you go, oh, I see where Kevin Kevin Smith was pulling from. That made me giggle. Well, of course, because you're, you're not supposed to laugh at that scene because it's in the middle of the Dean Stockwell scene, right? And yeah. you're over there like, uh, and he's like, I'll fuck it, and I'm like, <laughs> well, and then when Frank I s- Booth, girl, nice, Skrillex. <laughs> And so when you come into that, it just makes it all that much better. <laughs> so when I finally see the film, and this was the first time I watched it, I'm pretty sure it was during my senior year of high school, so around 93 or 94. High school's about when I saw Blue Velvet for the first time, too. That's That tracks, because like I'm 18, yep. I'm kind of feeling weird, you're, I want to be classy. You, you've discovered Tarantino's, mm-hmm. you're learning about all these other kind of indie filmmakers. So let me just say this. Three things... Three feelings. I distinctly remember watching it with my my two buddies, Kinger and Brian, at my grandmother's house. No, no, don't worry though. We're I was. It was really cool. She lived in this old, like almost like hotel esque kind of house. Uh-huh. I was on the second floor. I kind of had like my own apartment. Oh, nice. It was called the Pad. Oh, wow. Watched many movies at the Pad. So we're watching Blue Velvet. I was confused. I was scared. And I was kind of horny. 
I didn't. And all those three things coming into play it's all at weird. once. Weird. It made me confused. I, yeah, I mean, it, I, 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 I kind of felt like Kyle, McLa- Kyle McLaughlin in, in this movie, where I was turned on and repulsed and fascinated, yep. and just like I just don't want to watch this anymore. But yet I can't. I need to solve this mystery. And then rewatching it this time, I was still felt the same way. All three emotions. I still felt the, the same way. I don't know. If I still. I was like, "Don't hit it, Isabella Rosalina." Oh wait, she digs that, but does she? Oh wait, you know. And like, so there were several times throughout. I was really upset you weren't watching this with me because there are points I'm like, "Deal breaker?" Question mark. Yes. I. In fact, I even wrote down in my thing like, "Okay, I'm I'm all down for a little bit of pleasure and pain, it's right? Consenting adults, right? I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes I get me a hankering for some spankering, but." Like, I'm not going to close fist punch a woman, even if she asks me to. You know it's, what I'm saying? It, I don't know. Call me old-fashioned. I mean, I understand everybody wants to be equal nowadays, but in the threats of, in the midst of coitus, I'm just going to start cold clocking my partner, right? And again, these are things that, seeing it in 93, seeing it in 2022. Brought up a whole bunch of questions. It's still shocking. And even looking back at, like, um, I think it was, Sis, I know Ebert despised this movie uh just was one of those that he just was because it's borderline filthy i mean like very filthy it's 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 just so you're just like yeah you know it's one of those ones where you feel just kind of gross watching uh frank booth oh like every time he's on the screen you're just like he's unsettling well let's look at the cast first and foremost because this one is packed and first and foremost Welcome back, our favorite animal sex expert. Right? When she, when she, when Isabella Rosalini came out and something, and I was waiting for her to say, thank you for the song. Now I will show you how the dolphin performs coitus. And anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, go back to our Death Becomes Her episode where Genius opened a whole new world for me <laughs> and that whole thing with her. But Isabella Rosalini, animal sex expert. This is one of her very first roles. From 86. Powerful performance, too. Just what her characters go through and, and what it's trying to portray. And just just coming out of like, hold me, and just being naked in front of everybody. You're like, whoa, what's going on? I mean, can we say a very Matilda Mayes performance, mm-hmm. but in the bravest kind of way? Um, we have Laura Dern, fresh-faced off of like research. I, so I watched last year for the first time. Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, mm-hmm. which is kind of a Diane Lane. Diane Lane in it. But Laura Dern is actually one of her bandmates. So, and, and she is so fresh faced in that. But her. she is so pretty and just like the idyllic yes. of the um, cash, pink cashmere sweater, blonde, like I'm just an innocent sweet girl from the suburbs. Yep, that's just it. Everything that's supposed to be shining bright and right with the suburbs. Because even when she's like, had the most beautiful dream about robins no matter how dark and shit she's always like the dream and love just conquers all while the church music plays in the background well that moment actually almost kind of serves as almost a thesis of the film i think just in terms of this ideal of what it is and when we can just have that one moment when things are beautiful and happy to just try to get us through all the nastiness that's constantly there because that scene is great because his world was just shattered why do people like frank have to exist yes and he's just his whole idyllic world is gone. And speaking of fresh-faced, man, Kyle MacLachlan just, this was a few years, this is actually only a year before The Hidden, and again, he's had a great run mm-hmm. in genre. Yeah. And very much kind of a warm-up for Twin Peaks in many ways. But he is very much the audience surrogate. This is weird chicken walk. The chicken walk. 
I like that. It was a very human moment of it him was. just being goofy, trying to impress the local girl. And you're you're a fan of goofy. You know? I am. I am. You're you're a man that likes to you know flash the feathers it, when it, possible. It, it, it just kind of. And normally I would appreciate it, but it was just after a scene of like him breaking in and something terrible, and then he's like, look oh, like a chicken, and I'm like. That's odd, dude. You know, and if it was any other context, if this was a rom-com or if this was any other thing, I'm like, okay, he's charming, right? But this one was like, you just got finished peeping, and now you're chicken walking. It's David Lynch. That's true. I think he assumes that's what we all do after we set Now out. chicken walk. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> we have, uh, we've got Francis Bay as his aunt, mm-hmm. who I immediately recognized from, from American Werewolf. Yeah, and into the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. As well. She was the old lady chopping up. Oh no, no, no. The mom was the mouth of werewolf. The aunt the one the bar, the other one. Yeah, she was the one that was chopping yeah. up. She was also uh Billy Madison's grandma. Yes, the yes. She's uh, so was the mom then in something else also? The mom was in American Werewolf. The was mom she, was the mom from American Werewolf. Really? Yeah, so that the older lady was like the aunt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so she was one of the ones that was slaughtered with the Muppet show in mm-hmm, the background. Mm-hmm. Oh man. She nice little run there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh we have uh, Frank's crew, including Eraserhead himself, Jack Nance, doing a little bit of a Buck Flower impression. I'm Paul. I'm Paul. I'm Paul. I'm Paul. So scary. So scary. It's because his crew is so odd. And then you have Brad Dourif dancing with the snake. Brad Dourif in the background, yes. Okay. You've got, okay, Dennis Hopper in 86. Four films he reeled off here. We've got Blue Velvet. We have Hoosers, Hoosiers, of which I think he got an Academy Award nomination. Mm-hmm. We have The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Which he should have got an Academy Hells yeah, he should have. And then also The River's Edge. Wow. So classy, trashy, classy, trashy. All over the place right? in 86. And at a time when people thought his career was dead. Because he was... Doing a lot of cocaine, I think, at that time. A lot. Of, well, he's been doing a lot of drugs for a long time. This is very true, but his performance is Frank Booth, like you said. Unfucking settling. And like, baby wants to fuck. Like, their whole pillow talk and their whole actions, his whole thing was just like, I don't like this. I don't want to watch this. And this is weird. Baby wants to fuck. And it's just like. <laughs> and the way he comes in in that scene and just commands Every single little bit of her life, of how they interact. Turn the fucking light off. Like, as soon as he walks in the door, it's like, God damn, Frank. And then just, now it's dark. All of it is unsettling. And he sells it as well. Um, Just every moment he's on screen, I feel like every other person is in danger. Yeah. And I feel unsafe for them. I feel like I, I... Whenever he's on screen, I start trembling. I'm like, no, no, no. In fact, that first scene when he inter- introduces him, he's like, why don't we go for a ride? He says, no, thanks. No what? No and what? then, no to what? A ride. Right. Let's go! It's a good idea. Like, oh, he is just such a bully and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I also remember distinctly when the first time I watched this, street tough kind of vibes from that crew. Because he's the leader of the gang, yeah. And immediately I'm like, okay, oh, question. Yeah. Who's got a deadlier gang? Frank Booth or Kurtwood Smith? Kurtwood Smith. I mean, I, I'm sorry. That's I, true. That, you that's, have but, Paul, but you have Paul McCrain. But one that's, the other that's, one. <laughs> that's the difference, though, between the big city gang and, and the small town. Gang. You know, you, you, you've got to take into consideration. Oh, you're a big fish in this small pond, but you head to New Detroit? Yeah, you're chum. Can we talk about 
his uh, well well dressed man disguise. You mean the pornos disguise? The the the, the turd Ferguson disguise? Exactly. I even wrote like oh wow, so he's basically his cosplaying Harry Reams. <laughs> it's between it's 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 the Landau eyebrows. It's that giant stash. The big fake, the big fake uh, and, and the helmet yes, hair. And uh-huh. even the first time when you see him. It's unsettling. It, it looks There's unreal, like an uncanny valley yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's terrible. and when he looks up and the thing, oh. that thing, you're like, "Ooh, that's weird." It looks like you have three faces. Yeah, it's, no, it's totally unsettling. Let's continue with his gang. Let's talk about Dean Stockwell. Let's, because my up until then, my only real point of reference for Dean Stockwell was Quantum Leap. Oh and boy, he's really cool and really nice in Quantum Leap, Ziggy, right? But in this one, take it easy, Frank. And just punching people, and what the fuck was that? Like a brothel? So that is the uh, that is the this is it bar, and that's it's on the front there. I don't know what it is. It is in that 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 entire scene mixes anxiety and surrealism in such a way that it's almost peak Lynch mm-hmm. because he is so fucking suave mm-hmm. and frank just fanboying over him i don't know the relationship is to do with business with drugs i know that but but then the whole dean stockwell's crew his his ladies it just seems this seems like something out of a john waters movie yeah especially when he goes and beats up comic lock and one of the ladies just starts dancing up on the thing and just dancing and dan- and i'm like she's not even dancing in tune with the music nope. it, but it's like she's having a ball and then you get the whole thing of the lip syncing, and I love Frank just sitting, standing just, there. Just every awe. time, same with when the same she's when he, singing. she's singing Blue Velvet, and he's crying, and and it's like you almost feel sympathetic because you know somewhere there's some so sort there's, of emotion. There's something that damaged, made him. right? Yes, right. This way, and then so that, that brief shining moment, you're like, man. You know, I wonder what's going. And then he, you're like, okay, yeah, he's fucked up. So there's no redeeming of this dude. But then again, I was like, okay, I want to know more. They need a decide movie of Dean Stockwell's character just to explain all the shenanigans in that a little more. From the makeup to the outfit to, to the, just the voice and just take it easy, Frank. Here's to your fuck, Frank. Boop. And this gives a little, right. <laughs> it's so weird. it's so disturbingly weird. It's so it's but, off put. This whole entire movie is off putting. It's a great movie. It's re- probably I mean I'm not the big like I said I'm not the biggest mm-hmm. Lynch fan, but I'm not the biggest uh, Lynch hater, and I haven't seen all of his work. But to me, this is probably like this is a goddamn masterpiece. Just in the way how uncomfortable it makes you feel. Ooh, I will even say a combination of the sound design. That anytime Frank is about to appear, the wind picks up. So he's very much like that force J- of like nature. Like a Jason, yeah. Yes. Also, the Angelo Badalamenti score. We talk about the use of sa- uh, saxophone. Uh huh. This one, it was more like sleuthophone. Like every time they started doing some detective work, yeah. that would kick in. I actually really, really enjoyed the layers that the score added to, where it did add to a little bit of the surreal imagery, but then certain people had themes that worked for them. Like, Laura Dern's character had very much a theme that was... Angelic. And jaunty, yes. That totally worked. Um, There's a moment... I like his spy camera. What the hell did I just watch recently where they actually utilized that as well? They were going and they were looking at someone coming out of a thing... 
I just watched it for oh, the first time. Oh, with the box. With oh, the it thing. was no, it was a uh, dress to kill with uh, uh, Brian De Palma's dress to kill. Oh yeah, they do the exact same thing. Weird. The exact it's same thing. I, possibly because those guys definitely at least appreciated each other's works. Uh, there's a moment where they're conniving about trying to get into her apartment, and Kyle McLaughlin has a very loaded statement, which I really think delves into the whole idea of the like on the being on the wrong side of the tracks. He says something along the lines of, they'll never suspect two people like us, i.e. that aren't living on Lincoln or anyone from over on right. that side. Loaded with privilege. And he, the way he approaches everything because he does it in earnest yes and not a big deal and i understand the, the, the you know the finding of the severed ear drives everything mm-hmm. which i understand and also any severed appendage loaded with ants leave it alone always yeah yes. leave, it, leave it alone yes leave it's it alone. not for your thing i'm telling you you can tell kyle you can tell nobody in this movie ever watched a horror movie <laughs> no they didn't have genius there going yeah you shouldn't do that uh there's a moment where she asks him or basically makes a statement. Are you a detective or, or are you pervert. a pervert? And I was thinking, and, and a little column A, a little column B. Why not or, both? Why not both? Yay! Right. So no, I that that's Which, one thing I wrote down: pervert or. And that makes sense, though, given the fact of what he's doing, what he's bringing her in on, mm-hmm. all these breaking and entering shenanigans, and watching coitus. Oh, well, rough. kind of coitus. Yeah, rough, uh, unconsensual coitus. So I did watch a making of Blue Velvet, and um, Isabella mentioned that during the shooting of that scene, when uh, finally when he's on top of her and wriggling and doing <laughs> all that, apparently David Lynch was laughing his ass off because he just found it funny. So apparently Isabella Rosalina was watching the movie many, many years later, saw that scene, and she starts belly laughing, thinking about that. And the person she was with going, why the hell are you laughing at this scene? She's like, oh, oh, darling, let me tell you. And it's like, how how could you find that funny? Okay. Or, oh, well, or so are you, are you, uh, I wasn't belly laughing at it at all. That's good. But like when he's like, and he's just making a face and I'm like, that's really quick. And he still has his pants on. So it kind of like, me like <laughs> just kind of like, <laughs> you know, just smirk. Cause, like, Cause it's like. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and, well, the way is, that it show, is? is this Showgirls? It is He's been privy to his whole point of view of how people actually should engage in coitus, right? Skewed forever, right? No, yeah. You've got Paul Verhoeven and, and David Lynch going, um, yeah, we could, we're going to mess you up, my friend. Yeah, right at a young age. Oh my god. Um, so while I didn't find it belly laugh funny, his face gave me a giggle. You can understand where maybe right. he's from. Let me ask you this. Multiple moments in a couple of those scenes, I thought we were going to have to break out. The gong dong? Is this more of a butt just the tip gong? I didn't see any dong. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying I was, you know, stopping. You're looking and, for dong? You know, back no. and to the left. Here's the thing. I'm always, like, conscious if there's going to be a sex scene, of po- the possibility of that dong. Appear. But I'm not openly looking to bang the, dong, bang the gong. However, like, I think with just because it was classy the way it was shot that I didn't see any dong. It was one of those maybe like the scramble. Like, is that a shoulder? Here's the thing. Call me the Mark Bolin then because I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm saying you You're can gonna break be, you're it T-Rexing out. It? I think I can T-Rex this. I'm going to throw that out to anyone out there listening. I didn't see dong. If you saw dong in Blue Velvet, Let screenshot us, us, us. Screenshot go, it God, and screenshot send it, it to Nightmare Junk at Twitter or... <laughs> <laughs> so 
we mentioned a couple times the deal breaker aspect, and multiple times my notes, I'm like, deal breaker, mad deal breaker. There's kay. a big difference kay. between ke- consent and kink. Now I don't mind kink, like I told you. Yep. Sometimes I get a hankering for some spankering. Ain't no thing. Consent oh and adults. I'm talking about Lamar, but I'm not gonna fucking beat the <laughs> shit out of you. You know what I'm saying? So there, there is definitely that point where it's like deal breaker, mad deal breaker. Okay, that's good. I, I don't. I don't like violence, mm-hmm. and I don't like f- some fluids. That's fair. No, some fluids. That is fair. Because you're going to get fluids on you regardless. Regardless. But some some are better than others. If you're doing things correctly. Yeah. That works. Now, the cinematographer of this movie, uh, Frederick Elms, uh-huh. I was looking at his... It's unreal. Number one, he shot a lot of David Lynch's early works, like Eraserhead, Wild at Heart. But check this out. He also shot Valley Girl which is just one of those classics. He did shoot River's Edge, which is appropriate. Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold. With Richard Chamberlain? With Richard Chamberlain. Mr. Thornbirds himself? He shot uh, Moonwalker, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Oh, wow. So he is all over the place. Uh, He started doing a lot of stuff with Jim Jarmusch. Which makes sense when makes you look sense when you look at some of the the shots he does. Yes, yeah. And in fact, especially when you have Elis- Isabella Rosalie. Holy shit! It's Frank Booth. Passes out. <laughs> <laughs> what is he huffing? What Booth. is he huffing? Booth, ghouls, ghouls, ghoul. What? I don't know. Laughing it's, gas. It's no because like laughing gas shouldn't make you horny. That's true. And he didn't do a lot of laughing after he was horny. No, huffing so it. it's just it's. I don't know. Is it Coco Jibo? Maybe. Probably nothing. It's just it's probably his own special brew. That's. Fuck, for all we know, it could be Jenkum. Well, and the best part, though, is, I mean, he's just got it like a God, side holster. Like, yep. the, like one of those old ladies at the casinos that just carries around with that oxygen thing. He just pulls it out. There we go. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine Frank Booth at Bingo? <laughs> B-52. Don't you fucking call the wrong number. Right. <laughs> and then, like, blackout. Now it's dark. Now it's dark. <laughs> uh I'm looking over kind of the main things I wanted to make sure that we touched upon. I can't imagine anything else that we haven't really... Um, Heineken. The Heineken commercial. <gasps> okay. Yes, Heineken is all over the fucking place in this movie. And that whole thing between the Heineken and the... Pa- Bullshit! Paps Boo, Boo Ribbon. Ribbon. I'm sure Dustin would appreciate that. I'm sure anyone that was a big fan of PBR appreciated that. I mean, you've got those old PBR commercials with like Patrick Swayze back in the day. So that had to be such a push for them and, and it's americana beer not that fancy schmancy german beer and imagine the stigma heineken probably had for so long and again especially I, in the little suburb small towns like lumberton and lincoln street you, you wouldn't know? think they'd get like an import uh, like that uh, uh, and of course the little sophisticated hipster kid is going to be suburban yes suburbanite uh, and that's the best and again that was the thing that was on uh the mr bungle uh, you know, sample. So that was just stuck in my head. Now, my question is, are all suburban 80s dance or house parties that fucking lame? Because, like, when they went to the party, like, let's dance, and they put on Enya, and I'm like, man, this is a whack party. Like, if this is a, this is like a college party. See, or- you've got to go to Shermer, Illinois. Then you guarantee not only is it going to be a killer party, they're going to be making a girl. She's going to get down with you. David Lynch's weird science would probably be an entirely different beast. David Lynch's um, sixteen candles, David Pretty Lynch, in Pink, David fucking David Lynch's Revenge of the Nerds, David Lynch's 
<laughs> Fucking David Lynch's Paddington 2 would be different as shit. I don't know if I would sing the praises of Paddington 2 if it was fucking David Lynch's. Jack- we need more marmalade sandwiches. Jack Nance playing uh, the, uh, what's his bucket? Uh, oh, the, the big guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, bat, the, the guy yeah. in the prison. Yeah. No, he would have uh, Frank Booth as like, excuse me, sir, I'm looking for mom, my grandmother. Don't you fucking look at me. Right. The, the Baby wants a marmalade sandwich. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and you know this is one of those movies that I guarantee a lot of people probably saw too young, and even back in '93, I probably saw it too young. I think I w- Yeah, I just was not prepared for it, and even again, thinking I was prepared for it this time, it still affected me in a great way. Let me ask you a question: What happened to the cop? Because his brains were hanging out at the end. I couldn't what? tell if I he was I, just well placed because his he looked like he was brained. There yes. was a bullet hole in yeah. the TV, and yep. the other guy was dead. But the yep. guy and the other guy didn't have any guns, so I'm like, do you "What think, happened? Do, do you think possibly it was any a, a sort of almost like a um, spontaneous aneurysm, like a brain scrambly of some sort? <laughs> the brain scrambleys. That's yeah. If it's a David Lynch film, yeah, probably. And it's, it's the Yellow Man at that mm-hmm. point. And again, yeah. I love that connection. The, him putting everything together, realizing I can't really trust the authorities here. He's a which cop. is, and that's one of the like the, the the cornerstones of a good suburban town is having trust in the authority. You know, being able to put your trust in them. And when you can't, no, it just distorts everything else. Again, another little element that I really like that Lynch put on there. No, this one, I'm, and I know when we were initially kind of putting everything together for what we were going to talk about this month, I don't think you were hesitant with this one, but you're just like. Uh, and I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm glad I pushed it towards this one because I think this one, just in terms of, again, a nightmare on Elm Street, serial mom, terror vision of this. And again, in 86, you got both terror vision and right. blue velvet. So different takes on the suburbs, but also kind of similar just in terms of the seedier side. Speaking of seedy, he put this disease in me. <sighs> so apparently, when David Lynch and his younger brother, when they were younger and they were riding their bikes down the street, they stumbled upon a naked woman walking down the street. And for them, it was just, it's, it's not, that's not supposed to happen in the suburbs. Yeah. And that was the seed. And so when she comes out at the end in front of the house, after you think everything is good, after Frank Booth's brains are blown out, right. which is another crazy scene, good on the little misdirection there. I like that. But yeah, that whole he put his disease in me. Uh, is this a happy ending? Because I know yes. she is reunited. Yes, because the way that it made. Because I was even writing him like, and everything is perfect again. Because is now, but is he gonna experience the kind of trauma that's gonna make him a Frank Booth down the line? No, but I definitely know that his world is shattered and broken. Yeah. But at the same time, you know it was a happy ending because the Robin that she was talking about was eating the bug. So yeah. basically, yeah. the the seedy underbelly is now back underground. The the balance has been restored. They're now a happy couple. You know, Kukam McLaughlin and and, yeah. and Laura Dern. Isabel Rosalini has her kid yep. again. So this is about the best outcome we could hope for. Frank's dead, you know, so that so it's not as dangerous anymore in the suburbs. No, I, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, final thoughts there, Genius, as we wrap this one up? Um, what did he say to his, to his, um, to that lady in, in, in the Mouth of Madness? I love you, Fran, but you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. After a couple nights with Frank, you're going to be changing your demeanor. You'll be turning into a candy-colored clown. <laughs> Just dancing on the sh- on the car. My nipple is getting hard. Uh, God. 
just reading my notes. I'll fuck in the mood. That just gave, that, that gave me the biggest. Of course giggle. it does. I was did you? Did I was you? Like, yeah. Did you realize that that was pulled from that? So again, and I've seen those two movies before this one. Sure. And that never like. It's awesome. I love those connections. Yeah. It's that's. Those are the happy moments for me when those things come together like that. It's perfect. <laughs> I can't drink a Heineken the same way again. <laughs> no, nah, I still couldn't do the Heineken. No. Even no. after Austin Powers 2. Oh, my God. The beginning when the dad, I guess, had a heart attack or whatever, and he's like, uh, it freaked me out because when he was trying to talk and he couldn't, mm -hmm. that's like one of Here. my deep-seated fears. You've mentioned that. That, like, if I get older, I won't be able to talk because, I mean, I, I talk a lot and, like, if I sound permanent like bug flower all day long, you know what I'm saying? How can I do impressions and how can I do voices? And it's yep. just like, it it really, it really set the tone because I was terrified after that and heartbroken because it's he's like, ah! and then it just fades and I'm like, wait, yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I'm just getting nightmares and shit. So yeah, this is probably out of all the movies that we've seen so far this year, I think this might be the most scariest one to me. Love it. I love it because technically this maybe could be considered horror adjacent. Yeah. But I think if you're, you know, anyone has their video store, it's, it's just under the Lynch section as exactly. it is. Exactly. The as weird Venn diagram. David Lynch, Richard Lynch, regardless. <laughs> School of Goolery. Would have loved it. Would have loved to have seen it. So um, we are going to be closing things out next week with a movie that, one that came straight from your recommendation. Mm -hmm. Going to be a first time viewing for me. I'm actually really excited for this one. The I cast knew, is stacked. I knew nothing about it. I yeah. know nothing about it. I'm. This is a Commander USA goodie. Okay. That makes sense then. That totally makes sense. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius Mickey. And we'll see you in your dreams. Don't you fucking look at me!